Hi, I'm Abhijit Vijayvarghiya. I'm the co-founder and CEO at uh, Nectar.ai. One minute, ready. Let's go. ചലോ But, you know, I was just thinking that there are so many shows on lawyers, on doctors, on even software geeks, but you would hardly come across a show around salespeople. And I think the reason for that, and anybody who's worked in sales in a large organization will agree with this, is that those shows would probably spend a lot of time showing salespeople documenting stuff. Every time you have a meeting, you exchange an email, you have a call with a client, uh, any kind of an interaction needs to be documented in some sort of a sales CRM. And now we are in an era where it doesn't make sense to spend so much time documenting because everything that you're doing is digital. You're it's not like you're meeting people in person now. Everything is happening through digital media and all of that information is on the cloud. it's just a question of building a smart software to capture all of that information and get rid of all the time that sales people spend on documentation and once you have all of this information and properly structured and organized then you can actually start creating a virtual coach for a sales person where you can give him advice that okay it's this client is due for a call it's been a while since you caught up with him or this is something that you should send to this person or this is uh, there is a response pending here or stuff like that and even preparation for an upcoming meeting because your calendar would have all your upcoming meetings on it and this is the insight which abhijit the founder of nectar.ai had uh, abhijit has got a decade and a half of experience in global sales for software solutions leading large teams and like any good sales person he saw this gap in the market and decided to fix the gap himself here's abhijit talking about his journey into entrepreneurship If you like to hear stories of founders then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses just search for the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify Ghana Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show We did a bunch of things so I would have looked at 100 plus sales tools out there I mean they're like I mean the sales and marketing space is crowded so by sales tool you mean like salesforce pipe drive so those are crm systems but beyond crm systems also you have like forecasting tools you have like uh, sales training tools you would have uh, conversation intelligence tools or like sales engagement tools so they're like different time in categories when you're marketing your marketing automation and all of that so looked at bunch of tools uh, tools 100 plus tools uh, to be precise there and uh, try to see how they can be implemented integrated uh, and operationalized and adopted by sales teams um, both as a user as a buyer i, I looked at that um, invested into sales training as well got like best of the consultants to train the team but always figured out that like uh, this whole training and workshops uh, that knowledge is ephemeral right it's just classroom when we go into the classroom it stays with us but within a few days we we forget it right it doesn't get actioned out in practical life or in the field 
And that is the case with sales as well. So I just filled out that there has to be something more retentive, which basically stays with the person or like when the person needs that. So that's where I've started thinking more from a guided selling standpoint, right? I mean, just, just like you have a GPS system which guides you to go from a point A to point B, or if you open your app and you look for places to visit for like uh, where your vegetarian food and like Google recommends you like uh, what you should do, or it talks about like today's weather, Siri will tell you like how your day could be and wakes you up in the morning. So there's a, it's, AI is basically playing so much uh, part in like uh, some of the other areas of, uh, of work. I just felt that it need, it can be applied to B2B sales as well in a very holistic manner to look at what exists across the different data sets, uh, scattered tools, best practices, process it together and uh, learn from the scale of data. So deploy machine learning at scale and then use that to like guide the user. Uh, in this case, it's the salesperson uh, to take that next best action. Uh, to be a better version of themselves, right? So that was my fundamental thought that can there be a system that can do this? I looked for a system, actually. I looked for a system and like uh, didn't find anything satisfactory out there. Decided to build one. I just felt that I'm like motivated enough. I lived through the pain point. I had to fire a few sales reps. Like uh, I hated that and just felt that as an organization, uh, every organization can do a better job at like helping their salespeople. And in 2019, there was a article which was published in Forbes which uh, which read like this, that 57% of account executives, account executives are the quota carrying sales reps um, in the technology industries. They miss numbers. They miss their numbers. And uh, another stat that came in front of me was that in the last seven years, the spend in sales tools have gone up by five times, whereas the year-on-year quota attainment rep, uh, rates have fallen in by 40%. So it was like an industry-wide problem, and I was just trying to understand it, why it is happening. Uh, right? I mean, it should wake up better, but it's just that... Um, yesterday's process is not relevant today. I mean, the world has changed. We all live in a digital distributed world. Uh, and technology in most areas have moved forward. But I think in the B2B sales space, I just felt that um, I think there's a big opportunity as well. So, yeah, some of these thoughts led on uh, and I decided to quit. Um, put down my papers at Capillary. Uh, uh, I was like supported by everybody at the company. I mean, Anish was one of the angel investors and two of my other board members also invested in Nectar, supported me early on. And um, yeah, and uh, I completed my notice period, found my replacement, and then February 2020, I started Nectar. Did you have uh, a clear product idea in mind or did you have the problem in mind and then you thought you'll figure out what is the right product to make for that problem? Like, Yeah, I definitely had the problem in mind that uh, fast-growing uh, tech companies face a lot of challenge in moving from a founder-led sales to a predictable revenue engine. Predictable revenue is a holy grail. I mean, you talk to any investors, even like stock market, everybody likes the predictability of the forecast and market goes up and down if like companies miss their forecast. So um, I, I knew the problem well, right? Okay, this is the problem, live through it. And then it associated with like enabling the salespeople, justifying the sales capacity, running a tight process and systems. So that was there, like, I mean, solution was also there, but the solution was not being, uh, I mean, it's it cannot be democratized because it is very people-specific, company-specific. So large organizations have big teams, right? They have revenue operations, sales operations team, sales enablement team. Uh, they they invest a lot in like getting to that level, right? Whereas like fast-growing mid-market companies globally don't have access to that know-how or time to even figure this out. So I just felt that, let me look at the mid-market companies for growing. And there's a huge uh, number of companies who are the mid-market companies. Uh, and see if you can build a product for them, which is like out-of-the-box, best practices product, which like, Starts, I mean, you plug and play, and it reads all your data, processes your playbooks, starts guiding your team to be a better version of themselves. So you don't need to worry about whether you have a good sales manager in place. 
you know that nectar is there in place which is like helping your team to do their best right so that's how what my vision was and then i like looked at google i looked at apple looked at like how they have looked at ai um, siri is for apple uh, google assistant is like google's way of doing it uh, alexa was there for amazon i just felt that uh, nectar could be there for b2b sales people that's how i looked at it that uh, let's build a guided selling platform and if i do like i mean one of my early uh, customers told me that okay what you're building is nothing but siri for sales i said yes so that's how like uh, things happened yeah so it was an interesting journey so idea was clear problem space was clear we did not have a product when i quit i mean obviously i i, I was very busy with capri and also it was more an idea stage and i knew that what i have to broadly do but yeah uh, then i started looking for a co-founder and then about 2020 i started um uh, that okay let's take this idea into fruition okay so you envisioned a like a product for people who are not necessarily very tech tech savvy like you know the cg for b2b sales means it's a product for people who are not tech savvy who are not expected to uh, understand how to navigate through a complex erp or something like that but something which uh, is intuitive and uh, clean interface and it just gives them stuff like feeds them stuff that that was what you wanted to build I mean, I just wanted to build for like every B two B sales professional out there in a in a broader scheme of things that any B two B sales professional who uses a CRM so should use a system of productivity like Nectar. That was my thought. So that's why our addressable market is massive. But uh, what we wanted to do was make it simple, make it easy, give it back to the rep, right? Give it to a salesperson, give them what they need to sell more, meet their quota, close more deals, save more, save time. have a good work life balance by like uh, accessing technology and staying efficient that's what my uh, vision uh, was and and is and we are further building onto it um and in order for that to happen the technology should work for human rather than human working for the technology which unfortunately happens in the conventional products right i mean i mean i have used crm system so as like everybody who is doing sales has used it and there will be no sales person out there i can give you in writing who will say that they love crm right i mean and their best of companies were doing crm and all of them have done a great job phenomenal businesses but unfortunately i mean the users don't love it right i mean um they they have a constant cribbing about it that crm takes away so much time from me um uh, should i sell or should i update data i mean these are the conversations that would happen in like a sales forecasting call walk into any sales forecasting call in any company out there on a monday morning they'll talk about i mean some of these things so i just felt that why there is so much friction right organization needs data organization wants like all the visibility and data and they want that safeguard in place that if this sales person leaves i i don't lose my data or pipeline the next person can work on it whereas the sales person says that i'm here to close business i have to close deals i have to meet my customer or i have to like update data which is not helping me sell so this friction is there fundamentally built built in uh, the way like the whole crm system of record is structured so i just felt that uh, let's come as a system which eases out everything which does the heavy lifting brings in data from crm brings in data from email calendar and all the other communication sources that exist out there connects with two organizations uh, playbook which is basically the best practices that organization uses to sell and then process it together and then use that to guide uh, the sales person right on what action you can take today to win that business don't worry about your data entry that nectar takes care of or takes care for you you don't need to figure out like what sales training i need to learn and how much to retain nectar will tell you what to be done at this step right so if you are preparing for a pharma company in us uh which is having 1000 employees this is precisely what you can go and do in that meeting and if this is a negotiation meeting uh versus like it's a first call you are making to a customer in australia from financial services right so it will be able to like guide you there and your your crm data entry part is already taken care by nectar it just like 
process because it's the connecting tissue it's connecting to all the systems so it 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 has all the knowledge to guide the user as well as process the work of the user how do you take care of data entry how do you remove that pain point of data entry yeah so that now we're coming to the solution right so once like uh, we decided to build this um, i mean the solution was to look at why the problem exists right i mean if you look at crm uh, crm is incomplete i mean because people don't update it on time um and half of the data doesn't makes its way into crm second the data in crm is uh, stale so people change people move on contact changes like your relationship with the buyer changes forecasting will change close date will move new notes will come in which need to be entered on what happened in the conversation so the data decays very fast in crm so it's incomplete uh, and the data decays and then and it's like cumbersome for sale users to update that so there's a big resistance so adoption is very low by from users so as a result of it you can't rely on the crm data that was the first learning we had so what we decided to do was that okay let's look at crm bring that data into nectar we'll think about it then look at where the data actually lives so data is there into email communications between buyer and seller the data is in some of these conversations we are having on a zoom call on a google meet where people are interacting their data is on whatsapp conversation people are sending whatsapp to each other to like close the business out uh, data is happening uh, on slack where people are collaborating internally right um and then it's lie, uh, lies in various other business systems out there uh, depending on the role of the person so and then coming to playbooks which are basically uh, never documented it's all in the mind right i mean how to close a deal or what to do when a person ask this question that you'll have to go and talk to somebody in the organization who has done this before and they will tell you okay this is the answer you can give for that objection it's not documented it's not available when you need it Uh, or it's there in a content management system somewhere where nobody logs in, right? I mean, uh, or it's on a Google Drive, not accessible. So just felt that okay, connect all of these, right? Make it easy for the user. So connect with all these business communications, connect with CRM, and connect uh, and get them to document their playbooks and bring it into like a very easy manner uh, accessible to the user. As a combination of these three, now you have a very potent platform which is able to tell you what is the next best action you can take in this scenario. Right, so that's how we are able to accomplish it. So at the heart of it, we have built a go-to-market data platform, which connects with all of these data sources, brings it in one place. We got a playbook engine, which basically can be configured, or you can use an out-of-the-box playbook if you are a young company, you don't know what your playbook is going to be. You can use the best practices and playbooks that exist in the market. And then we got like this orchestration layer of the platform, which uh, guides the user to the next best action at the with the combination of the data that we have collected. I want to dig a little deeper. How do you get data from a Google Meet or a Zoom conversation? Yeah. So interestingly, what's also happened? Like, I mean, this basically answers the question on why now, right? And why Nectar is able to do it compared to like some of the big companies which have existed in the market for like decades. So uh, most of the API infrastructure is open in the last five years. If you look at like companies like Postman and all, they've like really uh, boomed, right? I mean, the whole API economy is very hot. So most platform, most tools have become platform, and platforms have opened up their APIs. It's a lot. easier to integrate with uh, systems compared to what it was like 5 years 7 years back so we we uh, at core of our uh, platform is like deep integrations with some of these core business systems like we spent like nearly 15 months to do a bidirectional native integration with salesforce across all their standard objects there we spent a lot of time we did a similar integration with google we did a similar integration with uh, google calendar uh, microsoft teams and thing uh, and things like zoom So we did all of those integrations in the first fifteen uh, months of the company's existence. You have like a voice recognition uh, kind of a tool which uh, transcribes the conversation in a Zoom call, and then you are able to parse data from that text. Is that how you do it? 
No, no. So that's how companies like Gong does it, do it, uh, which is like a very common tool these days. So that's conversational intelligence, which is limited to like call recording, call coaching, transcription. Uh, I think that voice to text is beaten to death in terms of a use case because you've got like Google has opened up its API and all of these technology platforms have built it on top of Google. So it's like Google or AWS, uh, Amazon, where the tech and you basically use that voice to text transcription. So we can do that as well, but it's not the approach. Uh, that we take this is just a subset of our use case right what we do is we integrate with all sorts of unstructured communications right i mean it's it could it would be email email has such rich information calendar has so much information about who you're meeting uh where you're meeting them how long you're meeting them stuff like that right and there's agenda also in the calendar where like some people update a few things then there is like uh, so much of information out there going on obviously between zoom conversations or google meets or anything and all most of it nowadays gets transcribed right so i think the call recording and transcription happens so we don't want to build another call transcription tool right which is what like gong is what we want to do is like connect with tools like gong connect with tools like zoom connect with tools like google meet so they become a data input if you go to a website and see like the landing page you'll see all of these are data inputs to nectar so it's a master go-to-market data platform which basically connects with crm connects with email connects with calendar connects with gong connects with outreach uh, which is a sales engagement tool connects with sales enablement uh, content management systems so we bring data from all the distributed go-to-market stack distributed uh, communication systems and the core system like a crm process it together our own usp is the playbook engine where you basically configure your playbooks and then we as a result of these two we have this unique position to be able to guide the user so that's where the guided selling experience comes from the user user doesn't care about how we are doing it that's what i'm explaining it to you users care about what i get from it right i mean the most complex and and we believe in building a product where the backend and platform could be as complex as it can be but for user life should be very simple for user it should be like okay if x do this if i do that um and they they get their job done that's it so we believe in uh the power of uh insights which is come through uh robust analytics the power of automation and the power of uh an amazing user experience, right? In terms of interaction, um, that's what we build it. So that's the fundamental aspect of our user design and user experience. I guess one part of your USP would also be to curate and link the data because if you're collecting so much data, maybe 90% would be irrelevant, right? No, the good thing is uh, our data is first party data. So it's very relevant. Obviously, I mean, there's over, there are like a lot of these uh, newsletter emails or like other conversations that come in which are not relevant. So there is junk, definitely. So we built a lot of heuristics uh, on top of like our core platform to identify what is sales data, what is non-sales data. And within sales data, whether it's an opportunity data or an account data or a contact data or a lead data, we have like that intelligence built in. We are, there are very few companies in the world who have that kind of an intelligence. So we have like really built a core IP around it where we have built these integrations, which allow us to be able to process them and then connect it uh, to guide the user, right? I mean, that's where we, so obviously, I mean, as you mentioned, that backend is an important uh, part of the component, but again, that's internal to us. To the user, it doesn't matter. To the user, it should be that, okay, I mean, tell me what to do from point A to point B, period, that's it. I mean, I use an app, a running app, where it guides me on like how uh, how fast I should run or how many kilometers I should run today, et cetera, in order to meet like a, a goal to run a half marathon. and. I follow that. Um, so some of those things have been also like very fundamental for me to get inspiration from on how you can like deliver a great user experience, make it simple, get like in the back end, it's a very complex problem to solve. If, uh, for example, there is a, a email with somebody about a possible business deal, but there is no entry about that 
like say that email id is not there in the crm say there's no such entry about that on salesforce then would your platform like figure out that okay this is a new lead and then create an entry for it and you know would that happen or or does that entry of a new lead needs to happen first before the platform kicks in no no we we are not dependent on crm because we have those heuristics in place we know that crm would never be complete right so we'll be able to identify if there is something that exists in crm great we match it enhance it and use that information if it is not we are able to identify whether it's a potential sales related conversation or it's a non sales conversation uh, we built a lot of like uh, i mean we scanned like thousands of emails thousands of data like uh, data points to like arrive at our models in terms of identifying what is sales related what is non sales related within sales also what is like discovery related what is the negotiation what is like a uh, uh, i would say uh, solution related and also we are able to figure those things out and we are able to then uh, attach it in crm if you want or if you just want us to guide the user or next step we'll be able to do it so it's a it's a system which is a crm plus plus in many ways uh, and we don't need to ever replace crm crm will exist as a system record is that next level of systems which like uh, is going to add value to the business and to the sales team that's the system of productivity so the world has seen a system of record which is crm and its success now what we are looking at is the next decade and i believe the next decade is going to be the decade for sales tech um we will be seeing uh, companies like nectar and others will be creating a new system on top of a record management system and uh, take the life of sales people make the life of sales people better and then take business to new productivity heights how did you create these playbooks like like and and what, what is a playbook like help me understand that so playbook is very fundamental to any go to market uh, function right i mean uh, or to any business it's basically a collection of uh, the right information the right process uh the right templates um uh, that really helps them successfully and uh sustainably scale their business so what i mean by that some examples of playbook uh, would include uh, a, a sales process at it, at its core right i mean there are different processes being used so medic is a sales process or metpick is a sales process band so band stand for budget authority need and time so it's like a typical process being used to like qualify a lead whether the person when you are talking to they have a budget to spare are they having authority or they know the authority will take a decision do they have a need for your solution what is that compelling need that can drive a decision and what are their timeline for decision making so this is just a very simple example of like bant which is a process like that there are like different processes now every organization has a process which they decide upon on uh, to follow in a b2b sales motion uh, which helps them close their deals and they have successfully been able to uh, get business out of their prospects so that is process right which is sometimes implemented in crm sometimes it's not sometimes it's like unwritten code written code which is getting followed by businesses so process could be something like send a cold email connect on linkedin uh, do a follow up uh, do a call after the call send a thank you note and then send a proposal do follow up follow up it could be a combination of checklist uh, including when and what to be done at which stage so that uh, basically a set of best practices as well right so that's what i would say is more codified so it's like i would say a convergence of like sales typically is considered to be an art but it basically is a is the place where sales starts becoming science where and and i i truly believe sales is more science than art i mean there's obviously there are like best sales people who are like artists but like uh, a lot of like sales success is into the science of selling if you can codify it i mean you can unlock predictable revenue and scale so coming back to playbooks in general there is a process component of it then you got uh, examples of use cases that your business uh, uh, solves for 
examples of case studies or customer successes that you've delivered in past that you can educate your prospect on. It would include, uh, I would say, battle cards against name competitors as you run into like any business will have competitors, right? So how do you handle competitor objections? What are the battle cards uh, or I would say landmines or uh, traps that you can create for a competitor in a deal to set yourself for success? The first time I'm hearing these terms, battle cards, landmines, traps, wow. I mean, sales is very scientific and very interesting. I mean, and then uh, after that, there'll be, uh, I would say, objections or frequently asked questions uh, that you might encounter, like data security related, scale related, your team, post-sales support, renewal, terms, um, indemnity, a lot of those things are there, right? So they're like commonly asked questions. So these are all like a combination of things that are part of the playbook. So the earlier you handle these Educate your seller, educate your buyer in the sales process, the faster you can close your deals, the faster, uh, the better you can grow the business. Uh, and the third step out of the playbook is, uh, apart from these uh, guides, which I call it as I right? use cases, case studies, battle card and objections, they're all part of guides. Um, third part of it uh, is around templates, right? In terms of what goes in, right? I mean, if you have to do a cold email, what should be the content of that email? How it can be personalized and contextual? What template has worked well for us in the past? If you are going in a discovery meeting, what are the type of questions you need to ask to get the best information for you to send the best proposal out and uh, have a better chance of closing or qualify the opportunity better? Or if you're doing a demo meeting, how do you run the demo in terms of asking uh, the leading questions, getting that acknowledgement during the demo process to be able to navigate the buyer and get them wowed in the demo process, right? So they're like different steps. Consultative selling or a typical B2B sales uh, process can be quite complex, right? I mean, uh, and there it just codifies it, right? So these templates can be very handy. So, but then again, different people are following different templates. Nobody has like one one way of doing it. Uh, and this is where consistency can be brought it, right? So if something is work, working and you can codify it, you can, I mean, it's like manufacturing, right? Where you can like have an assembly line and you can do great at scale in terms of production efficiency, just apply it to like a, a B2B sales parlance in terms of codifying how a process can be run like a well-doiled machine right and that's where playbooks become very important so process guides best practices uh, and templates i mean these are like a combination that goes into a typical playbook this is stuff that you can provide to a company off the shelf like email templates and uh, content around best practices and the process to be followed so all of this is available off the shelf like a company doesn't need to configure this they can just or, or like you would configure it for them something like that we are very flexible there. We've got like a playbook engine built out where you got a library of playbooks which are best in the world. I mean, we've like done all the research, spoken to a lot of people. We interviewed 150 uh, salespeople even before we wrote our first line of code to understand that point. Similarly, when we're doing a solution exercise, we went to a lot of best-in-class companies, figured out what are their playbooks, what are the best-in-class sales practices, processes, etc. Got them together, right? I mean, so as a business, when you're starting off, you don't need to think about okay i don't even have my playbooks i need to sit and write it like look at what is plug and play and start start using it today right so we've got this uh, out of the box playbooks that you can use or if you have a very well defined documented uh, playbook which is customized to you you can just configure it onto a platform right so the it's a no code platform uh, where you don't need to write a line of code or like go through an implementation process you just come in configure a few things and your process your playbook can start executing out of that how is this delivered? Like the third part of Nectar, which is the orchestration. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that's where the magic happens, right? I mean, we've got the data together. we got this playbooks together. Then it's all about how you show user the value and at the right time when they need it, right? So it's all about going into the user's workflow 
and making you tool working for the user rather than user working for the tool. So what I mean by that is I'm traveling, I need to be able to access it on my mobile, be there, have a mobile app. Or I'm sitting on my in my home working remotely. I uh, I'm on a call with my prospect. I'm using. I most of the salespeople use two screens, right? One screen for presenting, one screen for like looking at their own data sets and answering questions and all. Typically, you will see most good salespeople generally keep two screens open. So have the desktop experience ready for them when they before the sales, during the sales and all. Uh, then they might be busy uh, in day-to-day life. Uh, they don't have time to come into your UI go and send them a WhatsApp or send them a message, send them a Slack message if they are on Slack and collaborating, uh, send them an email, uh, right? On a Sunday night that, okay, tomorrow you have a forecast call, this makes sense for you. Or uh, we notice in your calendar that you have a big meeting coming up next Tuesday. Here is one case study that might work for you uh, for that meeting, right? So this becomes like very proactive and it's it becomes like a guide to the salesperson, a friend to the salesperson, right? That's what Nectar does. So that's where magic happens and it becomes very powerful that you create this whole unique multi-channel experience for the salesperson uh, in order for them to do their job better. It, it could be on the UI, it could be UI-less. So we support both and we've, we've built it that way to guide the users to success. So companies can choose uh, what kind of integrations they want, whether they want WhatsApp or they want Slack or they want on UI, like that they could configure that. Oh, it's all, all productized. So, I mean, these are all like, uh, once you have the data, it's about distribution of the data, where you show that data onto web or you show it on a mobile application or you show it on other communication channels. It's about like, uh, maybe, I mean, the form factor changes and uh, it could be a more concise version on a on a smaller, uh, on, a, on a platform like a WhatsApp or Slack. It could be bullet size information versus like on a desktop, you'll have like more graphs and uh, color coded charts, etc. What are the low-hanging fruits for you in terms of customers who would be best fit for this product? Like, you know, who you think should be the early adopters for this? Is it like Salesforce users? Salesforce users, right? So in terms of CRM, I think we have got a strong integration with Salesforce, HubSpot, uh, Microsoft Dynamics. So we've been like, I mean, these are three systems where we have like done a lot of work and been able to add a lot of value to customers across these CRM systems. Um, in terms of our uh, size of the customers, I think anywhere between like 100 to 2,000 employees, we've, uh, we've generally seen them to work very fast. The, we have interest from a lot of big companies also who are like having digital transformation uh, initiatives going on where they want to transform their B2B sales. Um, there is like somebody who's like a chief digital officer or like an innovation head and, uh, or the head of sales excellence. Those kind of people are also like very keen. And uh, we got like a lot of requests on early access of the product. Uh, we within like six months of opening up our early access program, which we opened up earlier this year, because we've been in a stealth mode, right? So we've not like gone ahead and started selling to everyone. We've been busy building the platform because platform is complex. It takes time to build out like this. So we build that first, and then while obviously we work with design partners to uh, make sure that it is what we're building works. After those validations and all, we opened up our early access program, and we got like more than 500 registrations, all organic, without any marketing, without spending a dollar, without hiring a salesperson. Uh, uh, were registered for our early access of the program. So there, there's a lot of interest in the market on what we're doing. Uh, all, both our funding rounds that happened, we raised $8 million in seed funding, a pre-seed and a, a seed round. It's one of the biggest seed rounds for a SaaS company in Asia. Uh, all happened inbound, right? We were not looking for fundraise uh, in both the cases. And, uh, I mean, both the uh, investments happened within like a fortnight. Uh, what is your pricing like? 
uh it's similar to what you'll invest in crm right so crm is like per user per month kind of a pricing for per seat so it just ranges like that 10 dollars to 50 dollars something in that range per user it varies it's it i think you're talking about like a lower end of the spectrum probably in asia uh, some of the entry level crms but if you look at salesforce and all they charge much higher right so it will be like similar to what companies pay for crm system um so it's sizable it's it's not cheap but there is a lot of value right i mean uh because businesses see CRM as a record collection system they see nectar as a productivity system which is helping them grow business right so you can pay a small fraction for that growth nectar could also be used without a CRM like say a company which does not yet have a CRM like which is not using salesforce or microsoft dynamics or any of these can they just straight away start using nectar as a CRM++ no not yet not as yet i mean that could be a long term goal like 5 years later or something where we could probably be uh, robust enough and big enough as a platform where we could even offer that but i don't think so and our early or mid journey we are going to focus there so we are a system on top of crm don't intend to compete in the crm space it's quite crowded done industrial and so finally a record management system so we want to play the productivity game right which is the future of a future of like i'm assuming this would not need too much investment right to also create a system of record in addition to what you already have it won't but it's also about focus right i mean once you start creating one thing then you have more feature requests build a lot of other things because crm does a lot of things it's not just capturing the contact data or activity data it also does like you manage your pricing your quotes uh you manage like all or all your other integrations with other tools and different systems who access your contact records so it's a much more complex system uh, but it's a record management system finally um so we don't intend to get into that space um so we unfortunately today have to say no to customers who don't have a crm system a prerequisite is like uh they need to at least have a crm implemented in order to enjoy nectar's benefits it's like you need to have a phone to like use google assistant right you can't like operate so it's something like that you could also look at an acquisition no? that could be an interesting play i mean it, it's just that you unlock a much bigger market by adding that yes so i think the market is growing right i mean if you look at crm it was a very small market 10 years back or 20 years back when salesforce started uh but it's a huge market like salesforce is what uh, 25 billion dollar in revenue now uh, the guidance for next year is 31 billion dollars so at their scale they're growing that much so the market is expanding and they are into like that they're pushing the crm market further and further and companies have now like in the last 30 years implemented crm systems now they are realizing that i need to do something better than crm to like be productive efficient as a business that's where their need of sales enablement comes in so we play in the broad category of sales enablement which is like very nascent it's getting defined and that category itself is i think now 10 billion dollar now and that tam will only grow just like crm grew over the last 20 30 years um i think the tam for sales enablement should grow from a 10 billion to like a 100 billion over next decade my last question to you for founders of uh, b2b companies do you have some recommendations of uh, sales strategies yeah i think um, i would say that for founders i would say i mean there's a lot can be done i mean there's always like thousand things that you can do at one point in time so the focus becomes very important right so uh, and the journey needs to be broken down like your first early stage pre product market fit journey like right? typically in saas terms it's 0 to 1 million uh then that you do that early market go to market uh, phase where it's 1 to 10 million arr journey and then 10 to 100 million is that path to ip or i would say post product market fit kind of a journey so there are different priorities at different stages i actually wrote a a blog also about it um, uh which basically helps you to like understand what to do from 0 to 1 1 to 10 10 to 100 million but the key takeaways there are like one is like stay focused uh, at every stage 
uh, don't skip any particular stage right in 0 to 1 what you do is very different than what you do in 1 to 10 and uh, what you do in 1 to 100 uh, 10 to 100 would be very different so don't skip stages there in between i mean follow those stages uh, that will help like so 0 to 1 is all about like product market fit creating uh, idea to like a, a product which be, it's a minimum viable product then it's a minimum sellable product where somebody can put money on it and then a minimum lovable product where people would love it and use it again and again and renew it right so that's the journey in 0 to 1 1 to 10 uh, uh, is all about like finding what's worked documenting it creating those playbooks creating these processes systems uh, scaling that team out and uh, getting it right and then uh, going for a market share in one segment right where you become the best in that segment establish that core uh, anchor position 10 to 100 is all about diversifying and then like you know you can't typically for a saas company you can't get killed once you are at a 10 million arr because you generate enough cross margins for you to sustain and uh, and and float so once you hit that 10 million you then uh, try to create more uh, moonshots and experimentation around go to market partnerships channels uh, new product launches uh, brand becomes important you need to establish yourself as the best brand in your category so then you hire like the vps uh, uh, in different functions and all and then you scale out from there right so it becomes very different uh, there it's a very complex question unfortunately uh, so yeah no, but it's very very stage relevant and uh, like some uh, takeaways there yeah If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in, that is, t h e p o d i u m. i n, for a complete list of all our shows.